It's time to set aside the superficial. It's time to go deeper. It's time to engage in truth. Here's John Bornstein. Well, everybody, welcome back to Engage in Truth. This is John Bornstein. I'm senior pastor of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley right here in Colorado Springs. And I'm so excited that you are tuning in. With me always in the studio, Mike Mallinger. So good to have you back, my friend. It's great to be back, John. Well, this is a program we have been eagerly awaiting because over the last few weeks, we've been talking about some very serious issues that are affecting us here in Colorado and around the nation. And so these compounded issues can really lead us to a posture of some, uh, well, frustration. And, and, and perhaps we turn to Facebook and other social media platforms to vent those frustrations and feel we're powerless if we are feeling motivated to do anything at all. And so today's broadcast, we want to cover this subject that many of us tune out. And I'm asking you, don't, don't tune this out. Listen to every word because we have a very special guest in the studio with us today who's going to help shed some light on this very serious subject of Christians and politics. Now, I used to work in public policy with Tom Ennery at Focus on the Family, and he wrote this incredible book, and I encourage you to pick it up when you get a chance. Please read Why You Can't Stay Silent, A Biblical Mandate to Shape Our Culture. He tells us that being salt and light in this age means contending responsibly for godly standards wherever they are under assault. There is no escaping the mixture of religion and politics because nearly every law is the result of somebody's judgment and what is good and what is bad. Now, some Christians are wary of involvement in politics and government, either because they don't like the way some Christians have done it or because they find politics to be corrupt. But ultimately, the purpose of government as God created it is a noble one. If we look to some of the words Chuck Colson taught on this in God and government, he said, the state was instituted by God to restrain sin and promote a just social order. Western political thought often mistakenly assumes that the role of government is determined solely by the will of the people. The biblical reality is different. On the eve of his execution, Jesus told Pilate that he held his office of political authority only because it had been granted to him by God. The Apostle Paul spoke of civil authority as God's servant, an agent uh, agent of wrath, if you will, to bring punishment on the wrongdoers. And, And Peter even used similar language saying that governments were set by God to punish those who do wrong and commend those who do right. So the state was created for limited purposes. And and, and Colson goes on to say that while it cannot redeem the world or be used as a tool to establish the kingdom of God, civil government does set the boundaries for human behavior. The state is not a remedy for sin, but a means to restrain it. Now, sometimes, though the state doesn't do its job, we can actually see the state promoting the opposite of the things of God, promoting sin instead of restraining it and actively undermining our social and moral foundations instead of supporting them. And at those times, especially, we have to pay attention to what government does because we must live with the results of its actions. And there's another great book called City of Man, Religion and Politics in a New Era. And in this book, they state it makes a great difference whether people live in freedom or servitude, whether government promotes a culture of life or a culture of death. And whether the state is a guardian or an enemy of human dignity. Now, now laws express moral beliefs and judgments. It's, a, it's like throwing a pebble into a pond, uh, waves that ripple outward. They tell citizens what our society ought to value and what they should condemn. 
And, and it's not that all laws do this, but it is among the most important things that they do them. And suppose that next year, all 50 states decide to legalize marijuana and cocaine use, prostitution and same-sex marriage. Regardless of where you stand on those issues, do you doubt that if such laws stayed in effect for, say, 50 years, that they wouldn't fundamentally alter our views or our moral way of life here in these United States? You see, Christians are anything but helpless in our country. We have a right to take action, and in fact, we have a responsibility to do so. And unlike the Roman Empire in the first century, our country is a participatory republic. We have the obligation to make our voices heard and to get involved in the dialogue. Our government asks us as citizens to participate, not merely to shut up and obey. In the United States, we the people means Christians as well as non-Christians. So submission in our political system includes being willing to contribute to the political process, not to withdraw from it. So what are we as Christians to do? Well, that's why we have a very special guest in our studio today. Jeff Anderson is with us, and Jeff is the president of the International Bible Conference. He's been preaching expositionally Bible messages from Grace Bible Church since 1996, and he began conducting Bible conferences for Native pastors in 2004, in which he met with pastors in India, Nepal, the Philippines, Laos, Thailand, Albania, Russia, and even Uganda. And Jeff also works... Part-time, he's with the faith advisor to Congressman Doug Lamborn. Jeff, welcome to Engage in Truth. Well, John, uh, it's a pleasure to be with you, and thank you for how you've even opened this up. For a pastor to speak this boldly and clearly, man, what a blessing. And we need more people just like you, my friend. Well, well, thank you. Thank you. I I appreciate that encouragement. And Mike and I have really been covering a lot of these tough issues. and, And I think that's probably one of the biggest things we have to even just make that disclaimer here today, that many think that as Christians, especially as pastors who are listening right now, that they don't have a voice and absolutely we have a voice, and it's a voice that's often not used. So, so Jeff, before we get started in some of this even further, just tell us, how did you get involved yeah. in working with Congressman Well, Lamborn? John, maybe when you and I were young men, there may have been a controversy in the church as far as finding its voice when it comes to public policy. And that's why uh, when Tom Menery wrote his book, it was so critical because mm-hmm. he's advocating something that really was controversial at his time. Right. But the church cannot remain silent nowadays When we recognize that, man, all of these issues are not political issues. These are moral issues of righteousness. And if the church is going to be light, and if the church is going to be salt, man, we have to regain our saltiness. We need to take that light out from under a bushel, and we need to find our voice on these issues of righteousness. So for me, it all began really as a pastor. When I started pastoring Grace Bible Church and just preaching through the Bible, I started recognizing that, man, the Bible speaks to all these issues of righteousness. And if we're being silent— where the Bible applies to the most critical need of the day or the critical questions of the day, then really we're just going through a, an exercise in futility. We've got to be bold enough to speak about the Bible as it as the rubber hits the road Amen. today. Amen. And so when I was influenced by Tom Mennery, or for me, when I was influenced by Dr. David Noble at Summit Ministries, hmm. I started recognizing that, man, there is no divide between the secular and the sacred. All ground is holy ground, and the Bible is speaking to all these things. Amen. And so as a pastor, I'd be preaching the Word and calling my people to action. I would say, you need to, to practice grace-touched citizenship. That's what the book of Titus talks about. Hmm. If you're going to be touched by grace, then grace is going to affect your life to where you're going to be a kind of citizen that is making a difference in your community. 
And so all those years, I just preach messages and minister the Word of God and encourage and exhort other people to live these things. I would go overseas, as you mentioned, to do pastor's conferences where I'd tell pastors all in Uganda, i say, you know what Uganda desperately needs? It doesn't just need politicians. It doesn't just need a free market system. It doesn't need democracy. What they really need is they need pastors who are preaching and applying the Word of God to every part of life, every sphere of influence. And while I was preaching that to everyone else, well, it became more and more clear that I needed to put that into practice in my own life. And so the position that I'm in right now with Congressman Lamborn is not something I ever dreamed of. It's not something I ever sought out, but uh, really became a wonderful opportunity, a calling from God and an opportunity from the congressman to be able to say, look, let's get the faith community engaged in public issues. My role is not a political role, so I'm not serving for a campaign. I'm in official capacity where I'm serving a community. And in serving our community, my job is to make sure that we get well, for instance, we get leaders who are concerned about student suicide together, mm-hmm. and we acknowledge that the answer for student suicide issues is not going to come from legislation in Washington, D.C. It's going to happen because the faith community here finds its voice and speaks out to the hope that is desperately needed. Amen. And everything that you mentioned, whether you're talking about prostitution, drug abuse, whether you're talking about transgender issues, all of those are issues that the church must find its voice, and we need to come together and act together toward that. And I believe that's why you have me here to, to talk today. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, how does the faith community become involved? Because it's so important because for the most part, we do sit around and, and maybe not, we'll, we'll pray for different issues, but all of a sudden we're sitting there and we think, how did this happen to Colorado? Oh my goodness. Well, let's, let's not, um, let's not minimize that first step as far as praying. Because when we're praying, we're not sitting around. Exactly. When we're praying, we're actively engaged in something. And one of the things I appreciate about John is that he was with the National Day of Prayer and just called people to pray and engage in that way. And so prayer is a great first step. But as you're praying, there are sometimes the flesh has to take um, has to take place of prayers, and you need to be able to find your voice and find some influence that's around you. I would say that the place to begin is around the dinner table. I think that it's vital for us to talk as parents about these issues with our children, because the truth is, when it comes to legalization of marijuana, for the most part, my understanding is 75 percent of evangelicals voted to legalize marijuana in the state of Colorado. Hmm. And that happened especially because you had a younger generation that wasn't influenced by their biblical worldview. We take them to Sunday school or maybe check them into the we take a, check them into the nursery. Or we check them into Sunday school and we think we fulfilled our spiritual responsibility. No, Mike, we need to start at the kitchen table where we're visiting with our young people about the critical issues of today. So those are a couple of great places to begin mm-hmm. our families and prayer, prayer and then just some finding some some voice to these other things. I'll be happy to give you some pointers on that as well. Yeah. And I think that, you know, <laughs> Those who've been listening for the past few weeks have, have heard a number of alarming issues. And, and I know that I, you have so many stories to share from the front line mm-hmm. that to, to give us hope in these things. Because I, I think that's often perhaps what we as Christians feel is it a discouragement. A sense yeah. of, I don't even want to be involved in politics because it's all negative. I, uh, I want to focus on the hopeful things, the pure things. I don't want to get involved in that. Oh, man. I, share with us. What's going on out well, there? Well, if, if someone were to just talk about the political landscape of Colorado, it'd be very easy to be discouraged. And the truth is you could show up with 3,000 people at the Capitol um, and try to stand against a, some legislation that happens. But it's really not going to make a difference unless we showed up in November. Mm. And so everything that we're doing now from January until May, now June, 
that's really inconsequential because all of these decisions were made last November when the church really did not show out in numbers to, to, to vote in those who are going to stand for issues of righteousness. Exactly. And so right now it's a little bit of a sour grape to complain about it, mm-hmm. but there is some, so, some other that we can do. I want to begin, John, by just mentioning that our influence is not just in what laws are passed. So let me hmm. give one example. Student suicide is a critical issue along the front range. We're all aware of just the, the issue that's there. It's not just something that is uh, for a lost world. It's something that is affecting our own families. It's affecting our own churches. And so that's an, an issue where I had the privilege, because of my role with the congressman, to call the executive-level leaders from places like Mayfield Counseling Clinic and uh, Youth for Christ, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, Young Life— all these different organizations were able to come together, and, and I asked them, I said, what can we do better together rather than just everyone doing your own thing? Because this isn't an issue for the YMCA to solve just for their kids. This isn't something just for Young Life to solve for their kids. No, this is where our community needs to hear the message of hope, the message of the gospel, the sanctity of life. They need to hear that from the church, and I mean a big C church, not just a local body of believers. We need to have all of us together coming and and finding hope. So we've really been able to make a difference. And an example of that would be Life Network has a wonderful program called Education for a Lifetime. David Galvan and some of his friends go into public schools where they've been invited by health teachers to communicate the message of the value of life, the, the dignity of human sexuality. And now they've added a component that uh, that is addressing student suicide. Wow. And when the church comes to a school and says, we're not going to come with our agenda and try to run our program, but if we can come and address an issue that you're concerned about, I'm telling you, man, they've opened up the doors. Wow. And there's a wonderful opportunity to go in and be involved. And so that'd be one area of success. And if you, as a listener, want to be involved with giving hope to a young generation of, of young people— I'd encourage you, contact Life Network and David Galvan, Mm. figure out how you can be involved in education for a lifetime. And maybe your first step isn't to run for a a school official or administration position or a school board position. Maybe you're just going to get involved in this way. But that's one thing that you can do. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I thought about that as we were dealing with some issues in our school. Uh, You know, my son has attended Harrison High School. You know, a lot of times as believers, we think, uh, well, okay, I'm, I'm in a homeschool. We did a program, a fantastic program on the value of homeschooling. We also did a, a program on the value of, of mm. private school and mm. private education and so forth. But we have chosen that to allow our children to be in public school and in Harrison High School, which sometimes can have a bit of a rough reputation despite mm. some of the progress being made. But rather than griping about it, we decided to equip our children to become change agents. Amen. So they met with, they found the Christian teachers, found the, the Christian, even leaders, believe it or not, even principals are Christians, yep. despite some of the, the things coming down in various contexts of textbooks oh. and whatnot. But it, so he said, I, you know what? There's not a fellowship of Christian athletes program here. I'm going to get with the teachers. We're going to start to do things by the book and become an agent of change right here in the school. So that's one great way, an example within the schools. What are some other ways that we can be change agents? That- what you just described is the best education your son could ever get. Uh, for me personally, I grew up at Rampart High School where I graduated, got involved in fellowship of Christian athletes. And that kind of engagement is the very first step to saying, God, I want my life to count for something more than just my own grades, my own prom date, my own insecurities. No, I want to be involved in other people's life. And your son has taken the first step to, to being salt and light in our community. So praise yeah. God for that. Another example that I would give 
I've been so blessed by the partnership between the faith community, the church in particular, and the law enforcement. Mm. There's a great organization here that's called um, Shield 616. Mm, and Shield 616 has been providing body armor to make sure that our uh, law enforcement officials are properly equipped, protected. But as they provide the body armor, they also come alongside and say, if we just give you body armor, but if we don't really engage in your soul, then we've done, we've done you no service. What we want to do is have have uh, someone adopt you. And so Shield 616 is doing a great job of a collaboration between law enforcement and the sheriff's department uh, and the church. And so that's an er- another area where people can get engaged, have a relationship with a police officer that they're praying for them, supporting them, encouraging them, letting them know that, that people of faith have their back. Yeah. When you see all these other issues, though, that are affecting, we talked about the spheres of influence, the the mountains, the the various influencing agents within our culture. We look to media and government and other spheres, and we could probably spend several programs just talking about how we can be deliberate in those areas to to be change agents. Uh, When it comes to some of these issues, though, like the Equality Act and all these other things we're seeing, even here in the state of Colorado with our textbooks being changed with regard to sex ed and other issues that that are permeating our culture, our landscape seems to be especially here in Colorado over the last few months, Governor Polis has not pulled any punches. He just seems to be oh, uh, yeah. signing these things through one after another. As people get frustrated by that, they, they pray. And, yeah. and then what should they do? Well, I think the first thing is to be educated. I think you need to make sure that you're reading some newsletters that are giving you the facts of what's happening. As an example, Family Policy Alliance. You mentioned Tom Minery. And right. so Tom Minery's organization is still there. You can get on to Family Policy Alliance and you can get information and they're going to feed you um, stories about the violation of religious freedoms that are out there. They're going to talk to you about the dangers of the Equality Act. Um, John Stone Street is mm-hmm. working for the Colson Center, and they have Breakpoint, which is, a, a good, again, another easy way. That you don't have to listen just to their broadcast. You can go to their website. You can sign up for their newsletter. Uh, I believe the Family Research Council is another. So all of what I just talked about is getting educated. Right. I think it's really important, and yet it's also easy today. You don't have to be an expert on government issues or public policy issues. You really can just read and people will inform you. There's so many blogs, emails. Get yourself informed. After you get informed, then you need to take some sort of action. And by taking taking an action, writing an email to, to your elected officials, making a phone call to your elected officials, listen, those things really do make a difference. Okay. And so write an email, make a phone call, uh, sign a petition. Uh, and then it's, it's never harmful to even stop by the office of your elected officials. They have offices. They have presence here for a reason. Mm-hmm. So you have anything from a senator who's for the state of Colorado, and they're, of course, they're involved uh, from a federal level. We have Congressman Lamborn, whose office I represent. But you could talk about county commissioners. You could talk about um, city council. Build a relationship with these people. Stop by mm-hmm. their office. Have a little chat with them. Have a talk with them. And, uh, and let them know that you are— that you care deeply about some of these issues that are affecting not only you, but your children and your grandchildren. You know, one thing when we were going across the country, we did a Pray for America tour. Mm-hmm. We tried to, I think we went through uh, about 43 states. Uh, you know, we weren't going to cover all 50, of course, Alaska and Hawaii. It would be difficult to get a bus to. Uh, <laughs> but we were trying to cover as many states as we could. It was quite interesting that we were trying to encourage folks to pray for these seven areas of influence in their culture. And they would gripe, you know, often just off the cuff, just gripe about some of the things going on politically. But yet they didn't even know the names 
of the families of the individuals whom they were griping about, which really showed to your point that we are uneducated. So if we're really praying for them, as First Timothy tells us to do, then we really should get to know them. What what are their passions? How can we really pray for them? And like you said, build a relationship to where you're saying, I'm really going to be a prayer warrior for you as opposed to just a complainer that you don't even want to hear from anymore. I really do have your best interest at heart and the decisions you're making. John, I I believe that in the age of social media, relationships are even more important simply because, well, so many people are disconnected. Um, And your social media gripes and complaints, even if you hashtag whatever it is, that's probably not going to be heard and that's not going to make a difference. But that eye-to-eye contact, that, that handshake, that relationship really does make a difference. So I'd encourage you, get a relationship. The other thing I want to mention is I want to mention for pastors, Sunday school teachers, for those who are influencing um, children in Awana or whatever it may be, do not underestimate the value of just knowing the Bible. Mm. Um, John, before we ever talk about any of the social issues that are here, the thing that concerns me the most is the biblical illiteracy that is rampant in the church today where our young people don't even know basic Bible stories, if they don't even know the name of the basic Bible story or the basic Bible character, how in the world are they going to bring out the moral principles that are behind that? Right. And so we're not just talking about knowing the Bible so that you can win a trivia contest or so that you can win a Sunday school contest. We're talking about knowing the Bible so you can bring it into practice of every part of your life. I'm telling you, man, there has to be a return of the church. There has to be a return to reading and explaining and applying the Bible. Because the Bible is what we're really talking about. We're That's talking right. about all these moral issues. And for me to come and recommend and tell people to read this blog or to read that email, but but then to not really emphasize that but what we really need is we need to have a biblical worldview. We need to know what the Bible says. Yeah. And as a dad, that's my responsibility to that's teach right. my children. Deuteronomy mm-hmm. 6. That's right. Yeah, And, and that's you, my first role of citizenship. It is. My exactly. first role of citizenship is to make sure that I'm a parent who's raising up a generation to come who knows the Lord and they know the Word of God, and then they know how to bring it into practice on all the different issues that we've been talking about. That's right. And, you know, we we were talking earlier, you know, Christians as voters, and and I know myself, I get get to that part of the voting ticket, you know, Mm -hmm. you're down at the college regents, you don't even know who these people are, the school board members. Mm -hmm. These people are making decisions on our child's, our children's, Mm Uh, education it's and true. how it's there's they're formatting our education system and i think we're turning off at the wrong point and yeah. we don't even pay attention to who they are yeah you know yeah. i'm going to go one step uh further okay. and i'm just going to remind people how easy it is to get involved with local precinct you can just show up for local precinct meetings mm-hmm. um and raise your voice and advocate for uh for people that you believe in john at some point we're gonna have to get it to the place where candidates are not just coming to the church asking for their support. Mm-hmm. Right. At some point, we've got to get to where the church is recruiting people to fill roles uh, and represent the church in specific strategic areas. And I, that's one thing I pray for, I'm working toward, longing for. If we can get to where it's not just someone who has it on their heart, and then they come to the church and say, hey, will you support me on this campaign? No. Let's get to the point where the church is serious enough that we say, here's some so-and-so. Here's the gifts that they have. Here's the passion they have. We need to get behind this person as they run for an office and represent our view. Yeah. Yes. And do you think that we've done a disservice to young people who are seeking to get into public policy 
that is a Christian community, we think that it's we, we've heard the term in Washington, D.C. of the swamp and other terminologies that may be so derogatory sure. that we are actually stifling raising up champions of the faith in every chamber within Washington, D.C. to make an influence. And I, I believe that there are young people even listening to the program right now that hopefully you are motivated, mm-hmm. not discouraged, yes. to, to be a champion for the, the moral principles, the compass that God has given to us of his holy word. And, and there are opportunities that are ripe in D.C. To, to make that voice be heard. And right here locally, it starts at, you know, city council meetings and, and going to even, you know, I was on the, the public uh, library yes. uh, district's board for years. And to hear from the public, you know, sometimes we get just a handful of folks would show up with these big decisions, million dollar decisions. Mm-hmm. I would just encourage the folks that it begins there. What we, you know, as we look at the board of regents, as we look at influencers, it is Boy. imperative that these decision makers have accountability to God and, and we're the ones who can champion that and for the church to come behind those people and commission them and to, and to empower them and to say you are serving god by serving in this role that's right you and i both grew up in an era of the church in which we thought well if i'm going to serve the lord that means i need to be a missionary or i need to be a pastor yeah. the truth is we need to carry a message to all the young people listening today we don't want you to serve the lord as a christian lawyer Right. As a Christian politician, as a Christian businessman, what a, a Christian doctor, wherever it is that God's placing you. And if the church can get to the point where we free our people up and we, we tell them, you're going to serve the Lord, not just by signing up to be in our nursery, not just to sign up and be a, an usher, but you're going to serve the Lord by going out and being a, a public school teacher, public administrator. Uh, and for those people that are called to public policy, listen, you mentioned it, Romans chapter 13, they are ministers of God. They are serving God by carrying out his justice and bring application of his word and of his sovereign rule into public policy. Friend, this is an absolute necessity for Christians to engage in citizenship. Amen. Well, Jeff, thank you so very much for being on Engage in Truth. For those who have been just absolutely stirred out of complacency listening to this broadcast today, is there a way they can get in touch with you? You bet. Pastor Jeff Anderson at gmail.com. That's as personal and as close as you're going to get. Pastor <laughs> Jeff Anderson at gmail.com. And I will look forward to hearing from you. Well, and of course, we want to encourage you as our listener to go to calvaryfountain.com as well, because there, again, if you click on the drop down of video and audio, you'll see another tab that says radio and podcast. And right underneath this broadcast, if you want to listen to it again and share it with all your friends and family, go to all your spheres of influence with it. Right underneath that, you will see a list of every one of our state representatives, our senators, our governor, even our lieutenant governor. All their phone numbers and email addresses are there. We'd encourage you, reach out to them. If anything, let them know you're praying for them. Let them know that you're a concerned citizen. You'd love to even schedule an appointment. Get educated on these issues. And more importantly, spend time in the Word Spend time with the Lord. Use wisdom and discernment in navigating these things. Go back to Ecclesiastes chapter 8 and understand there is a time, there is a way, just as Nehemiah had to wait five months between his prayer and addressing the king. There is a time and a way, but we as discerning Christians need time with the Lord to understand and navigate the times that are before us. I want to thank you for listening again to Engage in Truth. Get involved. Go to calvaryfountain.com to learn more. Services are at 10 a.m. on Sundays. We'd love to see you there. God bless you.